his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. What's driving the conversation in California today? Every weekday at this time, we explore a topic that's making news in our state. This is the State of California. Good afternoon, I'm Doug Sovereign, KCBS political reporter and host of the State of California. Well, the McKinney Fire has grown to over 60,000 acres, and although containment is improving, that huge wildfire in Siskiyou County has claimed at least four lives. It's just the latest in this summer's series of destructive California fires. We've gotten used to these long, hot summers of fire and smoke, with the worst wildfires in the state's history coming over the last five years. But now there's really no such thing as fire season anymore. We see these infernos year-round. And for more, we're joined today on the KCBS Ring Central Newsline by William Deverell, professor of history, spatial sciences, and environmental studies studies at the USC Dornsife College of Letters, Arts, and Sciences. He's director of the Huntington USC Institute on California and the West. He leads a multidisciplinary project called The West on Fire. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks so much for asking me to join you. So we've been talking for a couple of years now about the, you know, the new normal, about having to live with this wildfire threat year-round. Is this here to stay? I mean, should we forget the idea of a fire se- uh, you know, season once and for all? Yeah, I think you put your your finger on it uh, in your introduction. There is no fire season now in in large and most parts of the American West. It's 12 months a year. Um, And the new normal, while we've been grappling with it for the last several years, I'm not quite sure we've acknowledged it as the new normal. In other words, we say it, and then we say it again, and then we say it again, as successive fire seasons get worse and worse and worse. Yeah, that's really true. Uh, we, we've been saying it, as I said, for five years now. Uh, you know, this summer has been bad, but not nearly as bad as some of the other recent years have been. The skies are not orange with choking smoke. We're not seeing you know, hundreds of thousands of acres burn at a time. Uh, has anything changed for the better, or is this just sort of part of the cycle? And of course, the fall is still ahead of us here. Well, again, I think you're right. We, we may not have seen yet fires that did what the fires of a couple of years ago did, but it's only early August. Um, so we're probably on borrowed time. Um, have things gotten better? Well, these things do seem to have certain cycles, of course, you know, meteorological um, uh, sequences that go back and forth, the wetter, hotter, drier, etc. But if you take a 20-year view across the American West, the trajectory of this kind of catastrophic fire is straight up. And so maybe, you know, now and again, things are made perhaps a little bit better, But I think we better take a longer view here than, let's say, you know, last month wasn't so bad or what have you. I think we need to think much longer and realize that we're in some real new territory as far as the relationship between drought, climate change, human activity on the landscape um, and various ways in which we do or don't try to mitigate catastrophic fire on our landscape. So the Senate has approved, you know, the biggest federal action on climate change ever in U.S. history, and we expect the House to follow suit this week. What do you see in that legislation that could make any difference for California in terms of of wildfire mitigation? Well, I think you accompany that with certain actions on the part of Western governors or Western legislatures that are addressing fire mitigation uh, and climate change and carbon suppression, all those kinds of things there strike me as 
important steps in the right direction. I think we also have to recognize that addressing these challenges, which are very, very large, has to be done at the highly local level, in and around one's own house, for instance, or community, the regional level, the county level, the state level, and the national level. And so if we can put together pieces of climate change, drought, and fire mitigation at all those levels, I think we will begin to make progress. So what should California be doing that it isn't right now? What, what, what potential solutions are out there that we're not implementing? Well, as a historian, um, I'm always going to want to have history to have a seat at the table for solving or addressing contemporary problems. I think one thing we need to do is talk about fire a lot more than we do. We tend to talk about fire much the way we talk about earthquakes when we've had a bad one. And I think we better talk about fire and the history of fire and our relationship with fire and indigenous relationships with fire all the time. I think to be prepared for fire and to acknowledge its presence in our landscape, the good work that fire can do, you know, fire is not an enemy exactly, it's a natural phenomenon, but we need to talk and think about it far more than we do. And that will lead to wide ranging public access discussions, which inevitably can lead to, I hope, good and important pieces of legislation. It's so funny that you say that because among the notes I jotted down for myself was that, yeah, wildfire in California is kind of like earthquakes. When there's an emergency and we're slapped in the face, everybody scrambles to do something. And when the immediate threat subsides, it's out of sight, out of mind. So how do we keep the risk top of mind? Or is it just human nature that, that you know, people don't want to think about something like that unless they have to? Well, you've tossed me a, a, a softball there, I think, as an historian, because that you're absolutely right. I couldn't agree more that there's this kind of amnesia about natural disaster. We address it, then we forget it. And that's a history problem. That's a, let's talk about our history. Let's acknowledge our history. Let's put pieces of the historical puzzle together that stretch back more than a week, more than a month, more than a year, more than 10, more than a thousand years. Let's talk about it and address it and acknowledge it. And those will build foundations for better thinking and moving ahead. Well, my degree was in history, too, so I think we think along the same yeah. lines. Uh, yeah. You know, we've seen the state government make promises uh, in terms of forest management that it doesn't always keep. How do you keep, if you'll pardon the expression, uh, the feet to the fire uh, at the state level to, to make sure that, the, that they stay on this? Well, it is, it is interesting using a phrase like that because fire is all over our language. You know, we, we, we are the only living things on the earth that have harnessed fire. And so it's part of who we are, and we can keep one's feet to the fire, and we can also fight fire with fire. That's an important acknowledgement of a metaphor that I think we should do more of. We should have good fire on the landscape. We should burn the undergrowth, burn the fuel load out. Um, you know, these can be dangerous, and they have to be very carefully controlled, but doing that is one tool in a larger toolkit of fire mitigation. And inevitably, if you talk about using fire to fight fire, you're best prepared if you acknowledge indigenous fire practice alongside other fire practices, um, because that nature of using prescribed or even cultural fire, that's an important way to mitigate the likelihood or even inevitability of these classic big fires. All right. Thank you so much for being with us. Great talking with you. Bill Deverell, director of the Huntington USC Institute on California in the West. Really appreciate your insights. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. 
But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this... Why? ...a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.